The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Take your Bibles, turn please to the book of 2 Thessalonians. Uh, This morning preached a rather edgy, as well as last night, we have a Saturday night service now, thank God. It's allowed for us to have a little bit more room on Sunday morning, and it's amazing to me how many people want to go to church on Saturday night. And so we've got a service on Saturday night. If that works for you, come. It's at 6 p.m. And uh, I preached on a controversial passage of Scripture from Genesis chapter 6. And uh, in preaching that, about Noah and the sons of God coming to the daughters of men and the whole text. If you want to hear that message, you can get it. It'll be uploaded by, I think, Tuesday, Wednesday morning should be available for you. Uh, Go to kcalaska.com. From there, you can find links to YouTube as well as to the podcast. And and we also have a, a web stream that's live right now, streams all over the world. We're very thankful for that. But as I was preaching this morning on the Nephilim, Nephilim and giants and the, the uh, men of old, the heroes, men of renown, and the cause of which precipitated the flood, we're in a series called In the Beginning, I couldn't help but think about the passage where it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be. When the Son of Man comes. And so I'm going to preach to you from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 about the timing of the Lord's return. And uh, a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. And once again, we look into God's Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will remain, will endure forever. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want you to find verse 1. That's the first verse of the chapter. Let's read through verse 12. We do have notes for you. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to Him, we ask you, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you. Come on, someone say that. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless... It begins to list some things here that helps us with timing of when He's going to come. That, not, that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now you know what is restraining. 
that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. Just his breath is going to wipe him out. I don't even have to lift a finger. That's some serious breath. The breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is in accordance with the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Our final verse, verse 12. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Come on, Jesus. Lord. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do, what you've done tonight. God, we could close in prayer. We could just close right now. What a banqueting table. What a feast you've set before us. Move in great power. Release all that's in your heart towards us, God. Give us revelation, living understanding that we might be, might be forever changed. Put your hand on your heart and pray that God would speak to you tonight. Lord, speak to us tonight. Come on, ask God to speak to you. If you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost, go ahead. Come on, pray in the Spirit if you have that freedom. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The timing of our Lord's return. Now, let me just say in the onset that no man knows the time of the hour, but there are signs. There are signs that reveal to us that we're closer than when we first believed. And it really is a profound passage that we're going to look at tonight. And uh, go ahead, take your notes, look with me. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul mentions the coming of the Lord and the rapture of the saints. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And he said, but Pastor, rapture? I don't see that in my Bible. That's because it is not there. You will not find the word rapture. But you do see the Greek word parsea. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. And it's the catching away. The catching away of the saints. And really the catching away is a picture of an emperor coming to visit a town where everyone comes out to meet him. That's the picture. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, the Apostle Paul takes, talks about this catching away. And that's the picture he uses, this catching away of an emperor coming to a town and everybody coming to see him. But here he refers to this incredible moment when heaven and earth will, will come together. And the timing of that, it's rather amazing. If somebody tells you they know the time and the hour, they're lying. And there have been many in history, which we'll look at tonight briefly, that have done that. And the Thessalonians here, and I've said it so many times before, but for those of you that might be new to reading and studying the Word of God, 
When you read through the epistles, it's a one-way conversation. So if somebody was to listen to the conversation you were having on the telephone with, with a friend, you could hear maybe what's going on, you know. Are you okay? What happened? Where are you? What hospital are you at? You're at Matsu? Are you there now? Okay, we can conclude from that something went wrong, something had an accident or something, they're in the hospital. Right? So when you read through the epistles, you see basically the Apostle Paul answering problems or the writer of that epistle, speaking to situations, circumstances that were taking place on the church. So from this we see that basically the Thessalonians are being affected. They're being thrown off, to fill in your blank, thrown off. They're being thrown out of balance. They're being agitated by the false belief because somebody's spreading some bad, some bad uh, news that Jesus had already come. And the Apostle Paul basically brings correction to that. Amen. He brings correction. He says, he has not come. And it's a doctrine of the church called the eminent return of the Lord. That is, it's a doctrine of the church. that He is going to return. It is eminent. He will return. That's a prophecy that's unconditional. All right? So you, how many of you received a prophetic word here before? God, personal prophetic word. Raise your hand. Oh, if you haven't, you will soon. It's just kind of what happens around here. And, and God will speak to you, give you a promise. How many of you got a promise from the Lord? Well, how many of you know those promises other than this? This is a promise that we all have. There's other promises that are conditional. Conditional and unconditional. This is an unconditional promise. In other words, we could all backslide today. He's still coming. It is eminent. There's not one thing you can do about it, although we can hasten His return. We can quicken His return, which is... Part of my message here later, a little bit later on. So Paul's basically saying, uh, I didn't write the letter. Whatever news you heard about, whatever, said, whatever any, somebody said, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. And he's basically defending himself. Wow. The eminent return of the Lord. And we believe that he's returning. And the, and there, the Thessalonians, the, the church of Thessalonica, I had the great joy of being there when I was 19 years old was so touched by the Lord, and I didn't even know really where I was. It was just one of those sovereign things. Lived in Greece for a little while. There were those that didn't believe that the resurrection was real. There's, there's those that believe that the Lord had come. There's those that believe that the Lord's not coming at all. How many of you ever heard, now, I, I, I'm just here to bring you some history. If, if it offends you, I'm not trying to offend you, but... There's a denomination called the Seventh-day Adventists. How many of you heard of the Seventh-day Adventists? All right. The Seventh-day Adventists, they, they believe, let me just give you some of this. It's a, the Adventism was an interdenominational movement that was started by a leader by the name of William Miller. It's between 50 and 100,000 people um, back in the 1800s. And Miller predicted Christ's return. So the, the head of the Seventh-day Adventist movement in the 1800s, if somebody says, Seventh-day Adventists are cult. It's a cult if you destroy the Godhead. That would be my definition for, for tonight. I should probably preach on cults. I'll do that soon, all right? Because there are cults. The Seventh-day Adventists, they, they believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all right? So... So there, there are brothers. That's what I say about them. They worship on a different day, and, and they have some theology that 
I don't agree with about that. But we're thankful that they believe in Jesus died on a crossroads again from the grave. We're thankful that they don't destroy the Godhead like some cults do. But this man Miller predicted Christ's return. And he predicted, get this now, October 22nd, 1822. Uh, 1844, pardon me. So if you, if you Google right now, October 22nd, 18, 1844, what will come up in Wikipedia will probably be the first thing if you're using Google. I, I did it just before as I was preparing. It's called the Great Disappointment. <laughs> no, that's what it's called. You heard of the Great Depression? This is a Great Disappointment because he didn't come back on October. How many of you know he did not come back on October 22nd, 1844? as was predicted. And the Adventists lost thousands of people when the great disappointment hit. And uh, many people gave up all of their earthly belongings. I mean, it was really radical. And when 18, can you imagine being there, 1822, just be like, any second now. But, but that didn't happen. And uh, there were those that spiritualized it spiritualized, they were called spiritualizers, and say, here's what they said. Now, this is, this is history, okay? Here's what they said. Well, he came, but nobody could see him. And it was really a spiritual thing. When in actual fact, they never should have made the date. And we don't, listen, we don't, there's been all kinds of schisms and error throughout history, there's been all kinds of things like that. There really is nothing new under the sun. And we want to make sure, why am I preaching this to you? Because I want to make sure that you're never deceived. I want to make sure that you really understand and know how to weigh and look at God's word and say, okay, all right. You know, you're not going to worship a hail bop as it goes by. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even remember hail bop. There was a group of believers that, re- that, that believed that when Hale-Bopp, the comet, went over, it's got to be 15 years ago or something, that uh, they would then die and go to the tail. At the tail of Hale-Bopp would be this city. All right. Well, they all, they all took their lives, and it was a horrible tragedy. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. How many of you know where that comes from? Jim Jones, or let's just pick, let's just pick on, the, on the denomination that we're associated with, which is not supposed to be a denomination. It's actually supposed to be a cooperative fellowship. The Assembly of God, Jim Jones was an Assembly of God preacher, and a powerful one at that. Signs, wonders, miracles. But there came a service where he threw the Bible on the ground and said, it's no longer God's word, it's my word. People got up, half of them ran out. The other half stayed. Yeah, and there's a whole history about that. And they moved off to Africa, and there was a senator's daughter from California. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Listen, you ought to know some of the things that have taken place because they will, they will come again. Anyway, they drank Kool-Aid and took it. Was a, it was horrible. It was a horrible, horrible thing that happened in the 70s. Uh, there's a group by the name of Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses taught that the world would end first in 1874. The world's going to end in 1874. 1874 came, 1874 went, and they were still left with uh, everything as normal. So they recalculated and came up with 1914. 
a man by the name of Judge Rutherford. Judge Rutherford, he became the leader that said the Lord would return. He picked a date also that would be October 1st, 18, 18, uh, 1914, October 1st. How many of you know what happened on October 1st, 1914? The second great disappointment because he didn't come back. He didn't come back October 1st, 1914. It's not really called that, but I thought it should be renamed. There's been many that have prognosticated about when the Lord's going to come. And there's no one who knows. No one knows the time but the Father. Well, Paul says to the Corinthian church, if there's no, if there's no resurrection, then your faith is futile. Futile. If there's been no resurrection, I just preached it on Easter. That's online too. You can get that, kcalaska.com. Powerful word that, pr- that proves a resurrection in a number of different ways. Let's take a look at this. Paul shares uh, when the end of time will happen. He basically shares when it's all going to roll up so that no one's deceived on the issue. Amazing, the children are really focused here. The end of the world. Yeah, listen. Because you don't want to be deceived. There, there is much mystery to it. I don't have the be-all to end-all message on the coming of the Lord, but I'm going to try to tackle some of this. And uh, bring to you some truth from God's word. Before the actual second coming takes place, there are two things that need to happen. Two. How many? Two things that need to happen. If these don't happen, then it's not time for him to come yet. And so you just know that. He tells it to us here. The first one is found in verse 3 of the text that we read. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come. It will what? It will not come unless... Unless the falling away comes first. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition. So the first thing is there's got to be a falling away. The Greek word is it's the apostasy. There's got to come an apostasy. There has to come this a whole bunch of people who love God, turn their back, and no longer serve Him. Now, in order for that to happen... I think there's got to come a a, a great gathering first. I don't know that we've had that yet. I think maybe it started in Wasilla, Alaska. Somebody say hallelujah. I think God's gathering people. But here you want to make sure you never fall away. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you ever fell away. I have. When I first got saved, I was on fire. I I mean, I wrote letters and poems. I was radically in love with God. I was winning souls, reading the Bible, worshiping on fire. But I had in my heart this idea of what God was going to do for me. In fact, I knew He was going to do it. When it didn't happen the way that I thought it should happen, the God of my own understanding. Like, I love you, Lord, and you're going to do that for me because, you know, we're down. And then when He didn't do that, I was so disappointed, so wounded, so upset and rejected by my confused thinking that I said, you know something? Stick it. I don't love you. I ain't going to serve you. And I'm going back. And I went back. And I nearly died. And God in His infinite mercy through people praying and a a godly mother who interceded with multiple 21-day fasts, 40-day fasts, wouldn't stop. God in His mercy... God in His mercy brought me to my senses one day in a mental hospital. I was ministering there from the inside. 
It's quite a few years ago now. Don't be nervous. It's okay. All right? Well over 20 years ago. Well, 20 anyway. So two things need to take place. The apostasy, the great falling away. The NIV said, calls it rebellion. The actual word that we get apostasy is, is a picture of rebellion. Paul uses the same word in 1 Timothy 4.1. Would you go ahead and put that up? We'll give you a minute to get it. 1 Timothy 4.1. It's also found uh, in Acts 21. Do that one. Do Acts 21. Oh, you got it. 1 Timothy 4. You're a spiritual giant. Now, the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Give me the NIV if you would, please. Come on, I'm trying to teach you tonight. I've been Pentecostal for about nine, nine uh, you know, preaching like a Pentecostal for at least eight or nine messages. I'm just going to teach tonight. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Unless, of course, I change my mind. Which generally happens when I just get so touched by revelation, truth, and the fire that I can't help but just start spitting and preaching and spraying. Every... Are you guys okay? I'll, I'll spit over on this side this time. All right, praise God. The Spirit clearly says in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. It's right there. There's some going to rebel. Turn to Acts chapter 21, verse 21. 21, 21. Acts 21, 21. Here, here the Apostle Paul is being accused by the Jews of turning away, Acts chapter 21, 21, of turning away from the teachings of Moses. Read it with me. But they've been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake, there it is, to forsake Moses. Saying that they ought to, right, so on and so forth. They're accusing him of being apostate. So in order for the Lord to return, he's not going to return until there's a great falling away. Now, great falling away. And the second thing is the lawless one, or the man of sin, or the son of perdition will appear. Now, 1 John talks about the lawless one, or the man of sin, who's doomed to destruction. Same words about Jesus, Judas are used, pardon me. The man of lawlessness is defined. This is interesting now. So this defines the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition. He's defined here starting in verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. So the man of lawlessness is defined here in verse 4. Uh, he will oppose God. Adversary is the actual Greek word. He'll be an adversary of God. And he'll be supernaturally empowered by Satan. He'll have Satan power. He'll exalt himself over everything that is called God. He makes his own rules. Yeah, yikes. Because that's already happening. Because the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. Don't get freaked out. There's been lots of antichrists. We'll go through them here in a minute. 
He'll make decisions on what is right and wrong. How many of you know you can't decide what's right and wrong? God's already decided that, and that's right in here in this, in this leather-bound book, right? Right here in the Bible. Somebody say, you've been brainwashed. That's pretty narrow-minded. I said, yeah, it's about this narrow. Yes, my brain needed a good washing, and so does yours. He sets himself up in the temple of, in God's temple, proclaiming that he himself is God. Wow. Now, as you know, the temple, the last temple, was destroyed in 70 A.D. Uh, Caliglia attempted, perverted, twisted man, attempted to put up his image in 40 A.D. That's before the destruction of the third temple. And he was killed before he could do it. He was considered an antichrist. And it's in this phrase that some have uh, suggested that the rebuilding of the temple has to take place before the return of Christ. How many of you ever heard that? Well, if the temple's not rebuilt, then the son of perdition can't sit in it and then declare that he's God. So if there's no temple, then the Lord hasn't returned yet. Yeah, that's true if that's what it means. If that's what the temple of God means. If it's the actual temple. And, and it very well could be. I, I don't know that it isn't. It's plausible. It's possible. Uh, how many of you ever been to Jerusalem? On Jerusalem, you'll see the Dome of the Rock that's there. And uh, it's just been resurfaced with pure gold. And uh, I'm to understand it was made 14 carat, I think. Is that right? Yeah, it, they decided not to do 24 carat because it would shine too much and blind people, they thought. So they just... The Dome of the Rock is a sacred place for, for Islam. And that is on the Temple Mount. And there's room actually there for the temple to be built. So it could be that the temple will be built there. And, and some proponents of Islam say, well, actually, the temple is supposed to be where the Dome of the Rock is, so it's impossible unless the Dome of the Rock is, is uh, no longer there. But it could be that the temple's over. Anyway, just saying. And there's some interesting, oh, there's some new things out now about ISIS has destroyed uh, a tremendous amount of artifacts and archaeological sites and historic places. And what they're doing is there are those who are now rebuilding these uh, archaeological sites in different locations. Uh, and I've just heard about the arch of, I don't know, some pagan, you know, false worship. How many of you have ever heard of what I'm talking about? And so there's this movement that's taking place to rebuild what has been destroyed. And uh, it's just interesting. There's so much happening right now on the earth. Thank God we serve a Lord that's in control. Listen, don't ever get a spirit of fear. Don't ever worry. Don't, don't get yourself wringing your hands. Go, go all freaked out and take CNN and, and uh, ABC and, and all of these different news networks, Fox News. Just get freaked out about that. God's in control. He's in control. He really is. And so it could be that the, the, the temple is rebuilt and that the son of perdition, the lawless one, sits there and declares himself to be God. But there's really another way to look at it. How many of you know, and I've preached on it before, that you're the temple of, of the Holy Spirit? And how many of you know that the dwelling place, the naios of God, the church, the assembly, and I don't mean the denomination, but we are the assembly of God, the gathering of God's people, and that we are His temple. How many of you know that? All right, and, and so could it be that it's meaning something else? Could it mean that the lawless one rises in the church? 
And that would make sense maybe why there's a great falling away, maybe simultaneously. I don't know. Somehow the Antichrist becomes a God figure and he's actually worshipped. Now in the book of Daniel it talks about the Antichrist figure. The book of Daniel is a tremendous book that is to be applied for this day and age. It is packed with revelation and well worth your time of study. In 169 B.C., King Antiochus IV wanted to stomp out Judaism, and he made Greek culture the thing. And, and so what ends up happening is he, he builds this altar to Zeus, and he kills this pig, and that's when the Maccabeans rise up. He was a type of Antichrist. And he, he was going to put himself in the temple and declare himself to be God. I mean, it's the very, the very fulfillment of this was taking place even back then. Um, but there was a, a rebellion with the, Maccab- the families of the Maccabees leading it. Antiochus referred, is referred to in the book of Daniel as the little horn. But he's really a picture of a the Antichrist that would yet come. And there's other Antichrist figures like Pompeii in six, uh, uh, 63 B.C. He was this great Roman general. He hated the Jews. He was considered the Antichrist. Caligula considered the Antichrist. Nero, how many of you ever heard of him? 64 A.D. blamed the fire in Rome on the Christians and started tremendous persecution. He's considered an Antichrist. Domitian in 90 AD attempted to wipe out all of Christianity as one of the most wicked emperors there ever was. And he, you know, it's amazing that these wicked Antichrist emperors, and, and by the way, the church was like, this is him. This is the son of perdition. They, they really believed that. And he certainly was one of the lawless Antichrist, sons of perdition, but not the Antichrist, the final one, but certainly a type of and, and acted the role of. But it's amazing that none of these wicked emperors, you guys okay? These wicked emperors, none of them uh, lasted very long. They all were dead within three or four years. Thank God, God would just say, that's enough. <laughs> Augustus Caesar started emperor worship because, and many of you heard this, there was at the time this prophecy that there would one to come one that would be called a savior that would come. And so to preempt this coming savior, he started emperor worship. But you can't stop worship unto God because the savior came. And that's the whole Christmas story. One emperor made people go through the temple and uh, made people worship him. Uh, and you had to get a certificate, actually, from him. And without the certificate, watch this now. Without the certificate, you couldn't buy or sell anything. This is history. This, this is history. I'm giving you history. I'm not making this stuff up. This happened. There's this emperor. He calls himself, basically, God, come worship me. And after you worship, you get a little stamp, and then you can go and buy and sell. No stamp, no buy and sell. Sound familiar? Wow. Almost want to do my little creepy song again. I'll do. I mean, we're living it quite a time. Book of Revelation. The Antichrist will have the mark of 666. He'll be on his forehead, on the hand of all those who have allegiance to him. That's kind of similar. There's nothing new in history. History repeats itself. You know what's crazy? 
is the dumbing down of our whole, our whole nations being dumbed down and our children don't even learn history so it's easy to manipulate people that don't learn history. You get them all smoking dope and stoned out of their mind and half cocked and, and rocked and messed up and just going to swallow the Kool-Aid because it's, well, it's Kool-Aid. Oh, do we drink the Kool-Aid now? Well, listen, you need, to, you need to study to show yourself approved in the Word and it's important to study history. It's, education's important. Don't make it a God. But it's important. There's been many antichrists. The Vandals in Rome, 455. Muhammad was considered an antichrist when he marched on Palestine. In the, in the Reformation period, the Pope was an, considered an antichrist. Napoleon Bonaparte was considered an antichrist. Kaiser Wilhelm, antichrist. Hitler's considered an antichrist. Mussolini considered an antichrist. We can go on and on and on and on and on. Obviously, ISIS or Antichrist are operated by an Antichrist spirit. Obviously. Bringing genocide. Taking the heads of believers and destroying the earth. We understand when we look at these passages, this one, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, they, they talk about these things. The Antichrist and the false prophet are both satanically empowered. I, I, I spoke this morning about how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's called the, the three-in-one God, uh, the Trinity. You won't find that in Scripture either, but it's a theological term to, to talk about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each of them are God, but they're one. Hero is where the Lord thy God is one God, yet there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The and the, the 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 devil considers himself Satan's trying to be the trying to be the father. The Antichrist is his Christ, and the false prophet is the type of Holy Spirit. Listen, false signs and wonders talks about in the text. False signs and wonders. It doesn't counterfeit three dollar bills. No counterfeiter does three dollar bills. Why? Because there are none. So how are you going to fool with a $3 bill? Everybody would know you're lying. All right. In conjunction with the Antichrist, Satan will do counterfeit miracles. And you'll see this in verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. This is how Satan works. He'll use all sorts of displays of power. I mean, it's really profound here, verse 9. Displays of power through signs and wonders that serve a lie. And all the ways of wickedness deceives those who are perishing. Literally, Satan has power. He does have power. And if you're just looking for miracles, listen, Satan brings healing too. Say, so why would he do that? Because he just knows how to deceive people. So if there's a release of healing that takes place, then people begin to follow or cling to however that came about. So if that's some new age healing, then they begin to cling to the lie of new age they begin to cling to lies that way because of this great miracle they got. Just Listen, just because you see miracles doesn't mean that God's in the house. You say, what about here, Pastor? I will tell you how you flat out know it's God. Very simple. It's very simple because we give glory to the Lord. God is the healer. 
And any spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And we're giving him all the praise, all the glory, all the honor belongs to God. Jesus is the healer. All we're doing is stepping into opportunities and standing on the word of God that says, by his stripes, you are healed. That's all that we're doing. And then God shows up to testify these signs follow the preaching of the word. And we give him all the glory and honor. But when you're around somebody, I mean, there's this bloodless healers. Where's my South American friends? You ever heard of that? Bloodless healers. They would, they would perform operations, no knife, no blood, and people be totally healed. And it's just creepy. Yeah, guess what? That's not of God. How do you know? Because they're not giving any glory to Him. I'm going to do my song again. There's a book called The Beautiful Side of Evil, if you want to read about that. It's about this lady who was a bloodless healer, and she gave her heart to Christ, and she confesses about all that stuff and how demonic it was, and uh, quite a book. I've not read it, but, I, but I've heard about it. Verse 5. Let's look at verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Verse 6. And now you know what is restraining. <laughs> I almost hate that verse. Let me tell you why I don't like it. Pastor Kirsten, do you remember the other day? You know what I'm talking about. Excuse me? <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No. No, no, no. But the church in Thessalonica apparently knows. Because he says to them, oh, but you know the restraining. You know what's holding it back. And they're like, oh, yeah. But we, we don't know for sure. We can, we can try to figure it out. And we're going to take a couple, a, a couple, you know, suggestions or pokes at it. What, what, is the, what is it that restrains evil? What is, it, what is the restraint? Some say it's the Holy Spirit. Some say it's the church. Some say it's government. <laughs> that's so funny you guys just start laughing but biblically really it does apply and uh, so we'll look at that here in a second so you know you know you know you know what's holding him back so the church so he's saying to the church you know what's holding back the antichrist you know what's holding back the lawless one you know and they're like oh yeah you know that's right but we have to kind of figure it out and so the church knows what is holding the Antichrist back from being revealed at the proper time. So let's talk about that. What do we know? Verse 7. Verse 7 we know, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Well, who is he? It's a good question. Who is he? We know that the restorer is at work now. Come on, someone say he's at work now. It is referred to as he in the text. And he's the restrainer of the Antichrist. We know that if you look in your notes, see at the right time, the restraint will be removed. Wow, the restraint's going to be removed and the result will be releasing of the final timetable of the return of Christ. Are you guys all right? 
You know, this just isn't preached anymore. People aren't usually preaching the imminent return of Christ. There are many that are, yes. And many that aren't. It's not popular. All right, look at your notes. What we do know, what we don't know, but we can guess who he is. Okay, so let's just take some guesses here, some uh, intelligent guesses. It could be the Holy Spirit at work in the church. Jesus said we're called to be salt and light, and by doing that, we restrain the evil. So that if he is the Holy Spirit and he's at work in the church, then actually if he is removed, if the church is removed, he could be talking about the catching away there. And that's some pre-trib theology there. Some things you have to grapple with. And uh, the rapture is definitely one that I grapple with. Now, if the Holy Spirit's removed, then there's nothing to stop the enemy from being fully released. The second idea, the restrainer, is that he could be God as the one who strains until the church finishes his task of preaching the gospel. Because remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 14. Let's go ahead and put that up. Matthew 24, verse 14. Talks about the gospel needs to be preached all over the world. Everybody's like, where are we on the notes? I have no idea. Turn it over. Just pray in the spirit and the Lord will help you, okay? And if you don't know where we are, I don't either. Let's just close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for what you... I'm just kidding. Okay. Point 74C. Hey, you got the scripture up. Awesome. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached... In all the world as a witness to all the nations, then, then, then the end will come. So you got to ask, has the gospel of the kingdom been preached? I've heard this preached recently that actually the gospel of the kingdom is not just salvation. It's not just salvation. So even if the nations hear about salvation, but they don't get the full gospel, that's not good enough. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But the gospel of the kingdom is not just you get saved, believe in Jesus, he died on a cross, rose again from the grave, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you're saved. It's not just that. It's salvation, healing, deliverance. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's even provision, outpouring of the spirit of God. It's all of that together. It's the gospel of the kingdom. If it was just salvation, it would say it. All right, some of you are looking at me like, what? Well, hallelujah. Second Peter 3.12, if you'd put that up for us. We're on um, point 80. Second Peter 3. There's no 80 points. It's a joke. Second Peter 3, verse 12. Looking for the hastening of the coming of the day of of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. The hastening, the hastening. 
It's talking about how we can actually speed up the timetable. You remember when Jesus said to his mother, woman, which is a sign of respect actually, woman, my, my time has not yet come. And she says to the servants, just do whatever he says. And so they sit there, say anything, we'll do it. That actually, what wasn't his time, became his time as he then did the first miracle of turning water into wine. We can hasten the return of the Lord. All right. The third idea, the third idea, see. I'm on page 12. I don't know what page you're on. See. God is the restrainer working through government. And I know you guys laughed, which is really pretty funny. <laughs> However, it is a biblical idea when you look at Romans 13. Because government... It, it talks about the fact that government is set up by God and it restrains evil. Thank God for police officers, state troopers. Thank God for laws, even though it's getting skewed, having removed the Ten Commandments, moving away from Judeo-Christian ideas and becoming basically a law unto ourselves. I'm not going to throw myself in with that. But there are those who just say, well, you, can, you, know, you can make laws on what the speed limit is out here, but you cannot make laws on whether... It's right or wrong to, for abortion, for instance, or same-sex marriage. Yeah, I said it. Same-sex marriage, too. And pharmacia, drug use. I think there's a place for that. As God would allow modern medicine and so on and so forth, but there's a lot of drug abuse. And so government is, can you imagine if the government's removed and you have anarchy? Holy cow. Somebody say, I'm ready. I just bought more ammo the other day. So it could be referring to, could be referring to government. Look at E. The secret power of the Antichrist is already at work. And let me read this to you. 1 John 2, 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. Which I just showed you through history, just a few. There's so many more. This is how we know that it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Oh, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, that you know truth. I do not write to you because you do not know truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is a liar? It is he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. So are you telling me that Jethro, who lives down the street, who says there's no Christ, is the Antichrist? Right. No, he's being, he's being manipulated by an Antichrist. Anti means like not. I mean, don't get all freaked out about Jethro. Okay, verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. There's many groups today, many Antichrist groups. i got to preach on 
cults. I'll do it. There's many Antichrist groups out there. And why the Antichrist will come is explained. It's explained. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I only have like 10 more pages, and you have like 15 more notes or something, right? What time is it? I've like run out of gas. Why don't you reach your hands towards me? I'm not kidding. I need some help. I'm just like, for real. I'm like tired. Help! <laughs> ah! Jesus' name, amen. All right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like everything's getting blurry. We should just have a move of God right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor Alex, can you get on the piano? Or whoever's playing. Praise God. It's a work of Satan's ultimate rebellion against God to take as many people as hell. Why will the Antichrist come? It's to take as many people as to hell as he can. And it's because people refuse to believe the truth. Look at that. God's helping me right now. It's because people... <laughs> I'm always surprised when he does. Does anybody... It's never... It's never oh, I'm just feeling refreshed all over. Hallelujah. It's because people refuse to believe the truth and be saved. Verse 10. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse. They refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And when you turn from the truth, your heart will get harder and harder. I said that this morning. While the Antichrist is revealed. That music is soothing me. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to do ballet or something. Tell them how much you love them. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Should, should I finish? We're almost there. All right. God confirms their decision by sending a strong, powerful delusion so they believe a lie. Romans chapter 1 talks about that. Read Romans 1 if you want to look into that. Amazing. Your sexual sin will lead you to perversion. You continue to do your own way, continue to demand your own way, and continue to be in rebellion, then you, he'll give you the whole enchilada. And you don't want to eat that. God speaking to us tonight, we must not succumb to the spirit of Antichrist that's already in the world. As I said this morning, the world is preparing for the Antichrist, murder of the unborn, redefining marriage, the word of the Lord is being removed. The Ten Commandments are being removed off of Capitol Rotundas, which is kind of crazy because a lot of people get upset, and I'm upset over that. The only thing that's here in America that's crazy, removed the Ten Commandments, and people shout and screaming when they removed them from their homes long ago. As they sit pounding 
Pabst Blue Ribbon and taking Valium and watching their favorite TV show. Pabst Blue Ribbon. My goodness. You're like, what's that? Don't worry about it. I got good news. I'm almost done. Good news also is that uh, if you can't have a great falling away unless you have a great in-gathering, a great revival. I believe we're in the midst of that. I was standing in the back, standing in the back as I saw you worshiping God tonight with the power of the Holy Spirit just coming down. I saw a precious sister come back to church who I haven't seen in years. Weeping, getting touched by God. Paul says it's thick in here, and I thought, my gosh, maybe, maybe it's the beginning of maybe it's the beginning of a revival. I've seen it. I, I've seen it in my dreams. I've seen it in visions. If I squint, I see multitudes and multitudes of people. I, I'm just wired up like that. There's so many that need to come to Christ. There's so many that need to come and taste and see that He's good. There's so many that haven't come yet. So how can we have a falling away if we haven't had a great in-gathering? I mean, that's just where my heart's at. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we have had it. And maybe now the falling away will come. I don't know. I'm just going to trust Him. Now's the time to repent and turn to the Lord. Don't worry about the timings of when it's all going to come down and when, you know, when the, who, who's the Antichrist, false prophet, all of that. I'm just glad by His, own, by his breath He'll destroy it all. He, he's in control. That'll make you want to do ballet right now. Come on, Mike. Man. That'll make, you, that'll make you get excited. Come on, Jesus. Ah, he's on the throne. The devil's been defeated. God is on the throne. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be concerned about the schemes and the plans of the devil. God's on the throne. He's in control. There's no devil in hell. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. No, not one thing. I'm convinced there's no demons. There's no angels. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Come on. We're headed to glory. We're headed to glory. One day, oh, one day, God's going to take his long Galilean leg and throw it over a white stallion and ride on out of her, pick up his church. Come on, somebody, shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Lift your hands to God. Come on, lift your hands to God and worship him. He's in control. The devil is a created thing. One day, he'll be uncreated by one angel and a chain. Be thrown in the lake of fire. One angel, not a band, just one. One big, bad angel. Can you lead 
Not going to worry. Not going to fret. For God's on the throne. God's on the throne. God's on the throne. He's hemmed me in before and behind. The glory of the Lord will be my rear guard. Oh, God's on the throne. God's on the throne. He's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. The good work that he began in you is going to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. There is a day, a very special day, the day when it's all over and time closes and rolls up like a scroll and many men and women will hide their faces from the living God. Oh, but not me, not my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How about you? You're going to stay on fire. You're going to stay connected. You're going to break, break from deception. You're going to live for the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. I'm going to worship Him. Come on, lift your voice and worship Him. Hey! 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 Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise tonight. We give you glory tonight. Now listen, you might be here and you're not right with God, don't you leave this place without being reconciled to Him. There is a hell, a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Don't play church. Don't just be a religious person. Are you really saved? Are you really forgiven? If you can't remember when you gave your heart to Jesus, you might not have. You need to remedy that if that's you. There's a number of people going to get right with God right now. If that's you, you want to make heaven your home. You want Jesus to be your Lord. You're tired of running things your own life, your own way. Tired of driving the bus and crashing. You want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Come on, you want that for the first time or a recommitment. You're serious about it. Run to the front right now. Come on, run. Come, 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 come on. Come on, come, come. You want to get right with God. Don't wait. Come right now. Come right now. Come on. Leaders, come on. Jesus, come to Jesus, receive his blood to cover over your sin, to wash you, make you born again, you must be born again, there's more, come, come on, we'll wait for you, let me, let's do this, activate the evangelist on the inside of you, look to the person on the right and the left and ask him, hey, if you die today, hold on, don't do it yet. If you die today, are you going to heaven? And if they're like, oh, 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 then just say, hey, come on, I'll go down with you. And if they are headed to heaven and they do love the Lord and all that, then they'll just be like, I'm good. Praise God. Go ahead. Ask the person next to you. Ask somebody. Come on. Break out of that comfort zone. Ooh, yeah. Come on, come on down. Yeah. Yes, come on. Power of darkness being broken tonight. Come on, pray with me right out loud. Right out loud, you ready? Pray this prayer right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Come into my life. 
be my Lord and Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands as a sign of surrender to God. That's all. Got to surrender to Him. You can't come to Him and keep your old life. You can't come to Him and continue to do things the way you just want to do it. God, listen, what, what you long for is to be satisfied and fulfilled. A life of joy and even pleasure. Listen, God created pleasure. He's the one that invented it. But when you get it done His way, then it's clean and pure undefiled and acceptable now Holy Spirit I pray that you'd fill and touch these fill and touch these right now in the name of Jesus Lord thank you so much difficulty so much pain unappreciated and even trampled on oh but if you make God your goal the first place in your heart I'll take care of you, says the Lord, and I'll take care of your little one, and I'll bring you into a place of rich fulfillment such as you have never known. Holy Spirit, touch right now. We've got some people that are going to minister to you if you've just come up here to give your life to Jesus. Going to help you grow in the things of God. Church, just lift your hands to the Lord. and. And call on him just a moment longer and we'll be closing this service. I know I went a little bit long. Come on, let's just thank God for his masterful plan. Thank him that he's in control. And Lord, we thank you. We yield to you tonight and thank you and praise you for what you've done, what you're doing. Release your power all across this place. Sickness and disease, again, we command you to go. Fresh touch of heaven. A fresh touch of heaven right now. Release wisdom to those that need wisdom this week. God, we thank you and praise you. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. Now bless your people. God, cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Keep us that we would never be deceived, that even the elect can be led astray. We would not never be led astray. Tune our ears to the voice, the shepherd's voice, as we, your sheep, would hear your voice and say, this is the way walking in it, that we truly would have an anointing, not counterfeit the real thing, Spirit of truth, fill us. We commit to learn your word. Agree with that if that's you. Commit to learn your word, to be a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. Because we would then know what is true and what is false. And that you would use us for the purpose for which we've been created. Touch. Bless. Fill. And use us this week in Jesus name amen we'll see you Wednesday night revival continues you don't want to miss it hey God bless you praise the Lord
Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.